Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we are so thankful that we can come together virtually, Lord, and are excited that we're going to be coming together again soon in person. We know, God, that there is nothing that you cannot do, and we are so thankful for that. God, we, we think of the barriers that people have been facing during this COVID crisis, God, and we know that you can tear those barriers down. We know that you have wanted us to take the opportunity to quiet our hearts and our minds, God, and focus on you, Lord, and let you be more of an integral part in our lives. Be with us, Lord. This week, as we go on, some are going back to work, um, as we're looking after children, Lord, and that's been very stressful for many, God. Be with those who may be struggling with mental health issues or physical health. God, just give peace to those who need your peace, Lord. Uh, God, help us to be excited about coming back together and seeing each other, even though it has to be at a distance, Lord, just being back together as a community. We are so thankful that we are at that time that we can do that again. God, we love you. Be with John as he brings us a sermon, God. And bless him, Lord. In the name we ask it, amen. Let's listen to John bring the word. Greetings, Cross Point Church and friends. These are exciting days, don't you think? Just minutes ago, you heard the announcement that we're coming back together and just seven days away, July the 5th. I can hardly wait uh, to see you all. This uh, is, today is our seventh and last sermon in our series titled, How to Handle What Life Hands You. And today, the, uh, my sermon is titled, How to Respond When People Do You Wrong. You know, it's interesting, this subject is addressed in the scriptures over and over and over again. And in the passage we're going to look at today in, in the book of Romans in chapter 12, it's, it's addressed in considerable detail, which makes me think, it must have been a significant problem back there in the early church, which makes me think perhaps it's still a significant problem in the church today. How to respond when people do you wrong. Father, open our minds, open our ears, open our hearts for truth you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been some years now. There was a knock at our door, and there stood an old friend. It had been years since we had seen each other, so we spent 45 minutes just catching up. We reminisced, we laughed, and it was a good time. It was a good time until I mentioned a mutual friend, and then all the camaraderie and the goodwill in the room disappeared just like that. The anger just poured out of this guy. And, uh, and, and this mutual friend that he was speaking of is still a close friend of mine today. I can't imagine this guy doing a wrong to anyone. And yet my visitor on that day, a believer friend, had him on his you done me wrong, list. 
Did you know that a, a, lot of, a lot of people, yes, believers too, have a list? A, a list of people who have done them wrong. Oh, it's not a list that's on a post-it note on their refrigerator. It's not among their reminders on their iPhone. But they have a list. And they hold on to their list. They hold on to their lists here and they hold on to their lists here. Could be a parent, could be an uncle, could be a sibling, could be a boss, could be a pastor, might be a spouse or an ex-spouse. And the wrongs, they, they range from the more serious, they were abusive, or maybe they cheated me, or they lied to me, or they lied about me, to the not so serious. They overlooked me, they ignored me, they didn't appreciate me. Some folks are very explicit about the wrongs done to them. Now, we as believers, we know we shouldn't have lists, and we know it so often we are more subtle and less verbal about our lists of people who have done us wrong. Now, Paul knows that we're inclined to have lists, so he addresses the issue here in Romans chapter 12, and Paul knows that these lists rob us of our peace, they rob us of our joy and contentment that is our birthright as Christ followers, and Paul also knows that if we do not get rid of our lists, we will diminish our influence and the impact that, and even nullify what God wants to accomplish through us. So come with me now to the book of Romans, the New Testament book of Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, the sixth book in chapter 12, and I'm reading to you. If someone mistreats you, or if they are cruel in their attitude towards you, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, and they will be ashamed of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now for a few minutes, let's take a closer look at Paul's words as we unpack this scripture. Six things I want to say to you today, and here's number one. When you are wronged by someone, number one, start by praying for them. Pray for them. 
and I take you back to the first verse we read. If someone mistreats you, pray that God will bless them. Pretty plain, isn't it? If someone mistreats you, pray that God will judge them. No. If someone is cruel in their attitude towards you, pray that God will punish them. No, that's not what it says. It says when people do you wrong, we are to pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will cause his favor to shine down upon them. Pray that God will bring good into their life. Now maybe someone is thinking, but Pastor John, that's not what I feel like doing. No, of course not. But have you discovered this great biblical truth that Christian maturity is not doing what you feel like doing. It's doing what is the right thing. So we just do it anyway. You see, there's an old saying, you've heard it, prayer changes things. Well, it's true. Prayer does change things, and it changes the person doing the praying first. I discovered this great truth during one of the most difficult circumstances of our lives. It was 2004, 16 years ago. Now, if, if there is something more difficult than dealing with a wrong done to you personally, that would be a wrong done to your child. And my son was wrong. He was grievously wrong by a man who was an authority figure in the community where he lived. Now, I'm going to spare you the details. Actually, I'm sparing me the details. One very good friend in the midst of this advised us advised my wife and I to take legal action against this man. But after thinking on it and praying on it, we decided to let it go and just pray for him. And a wonderful, wonderful thing happened. I don't know if that man who wronged my son ever changed or not. Certainly no apology ever came our way. But what changed was it changed, the praying for him changed me. Till thoughts of him are, uh, today are still only benevolent as I found myself praying, God, draw him to yourself. When people do you wrong, that's step number one, pray for them. Here's number two. When people do you wrong, empathize when they are in trouble. Verse 15, I take it to you again. If, you are, if they are sad, share their sorrow. Interesting, isn't it? It's sad people who do you wrong, you know. But did you notice that the word that I used? I used the word empathize, not sympathize. Now, to sympathize is a good thing. It's to express compassion for another's sorrow. But to empathize goes way beyond that. To empathize is to put yourself in their shoes as best you can. To, to imagine yourself in, in their circumstance. That's a better thing. The scripture says share their sorrow. Some time ago, my wife and I were guests of a 
a family in our church with Newfoundland roots. And uh, some of their family from The Rock were visiting, and so they invited us to join them for dinner. And it was, uh, maybe some of you have heard of this, it was a jigs dinner. I love a jigs dinner. Salt, beef, and peas pudding. That's a Newfie dish, and it's a terrific meal. Well, when we went to sit down at the table, table was set about 12 of us around this long table with a beautiful white tablecloth, a table set for the queen. Now, as I looked at the tablecloth, I'm, I'm thinking, I hope I don't get anything on that, that white tablecloth. And I did well, well for a while, and then they served this chocolate sauce-covered cake to die for, and in my haste to get that to my mouth, splat. A huge blob of chocolate sauce on that white tablecloth, and I immediately looked up across the table to see if I was caught, and I meant Don's eye. Don was the host's brother who was visiting from Newfoundland, a man I hardly knew. Now, for Don across the table for me to sympathize would have been perhaps to smile and give me a knowing look and maybe mouth the word, sorry. But he went way beyond sympathy to empathy. Holding my gaze, he dipped his spoon in his chocolate dessert and splat made a blob on the white tablecloth in front of him. That's empathy. To empathize with people who do you wrong is to do your best to put yourself in their place. It's to, to wonder, to imagine, to try to understand what circumstance, what factor in their upbringing, what pressure at home or in the workplace would make them do such a thing. So when people do you wrong, number one, start by praying for them. Empathize when they're in trouble. Here's number three, celebrate their successes. And I take you to verse 15 again. When, when others are happy, be happy with them. Celebrate their successes. Now, this is definitely harder than number two, just empathizing with people who have wronged you. Picture this scenario. You're seeking employment, or maybe you're making a career change, and you, you come across a job that seems like a perfect fit, and so you pursue it, and so does a guy that you know, but you know that, he, that you have more experience, and you are better qualified, but you don't get it, he does, or she does. And perhaps it's even because they know someone who knows someone, you know how that goes. More than that, when this person you know gets the job, they do very well at it, and, and soon after getting the job, they're promoted. How do you respond? You celebrate their success. You celebrate their success. Here's another scenario, you aspire to be on the church leadership board, which is a healthy aspiration, I think. 
but, but someone else is chosen and they're relatively new to the church, that they have less experience at, uh, in the church, what do you do? Well, according to the scripture, you celebrate their success. Now, I'm, what I'm talking to you about here today, understand this, this is, this is character building stuff that we're talking about. When sometimes when we're wrong, we, we feel like, we feel more like sending a note that says, may the bluebird of happiness dive bomb your celebration cake, but you don't. You don't. You, you send a card or a note or an email or a text or a Facebook message or whatever. You, you celebrate their success. And here's number four. You act medium. Act medium. I found this in an old book in my library. It's a Charles Swindoll book. The story goes like this. The children worked long and hard on their on their own little cardboard shack. It was to be a special spot, a clubhouse, where they could meet in solemn assembly or just laugh, play games, and fool around. And they thought long and hard about their rules. And they came up with three rather perceptive rules. Number one, nobody act big. Number two, nobody act small. And number three, everybody act medium. Not bad theology. In different words, God says the very same thing in the scripture we just read together. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important. Act medium. There's always the temptation when we do something magnanimous when we display generosity or when we grant forgiveness in the face of insult or injury, to follow that up by feeling kind of proud of ourselves. And that always leaks out in our attitude, in our body language, in our demeanor, in our words, in our actions. So Paul advises us, when people do you wrong and you respond well, he's saying, don't act big. Don't get your nose in the air. Don't get the big head. Don't allow your mind to entertain the thought, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person here. God must be quite pleased. And, and, and Paul is further saying, don't act small. Don't do the I'm so, I'm so humble thing. Don't let people know what you did, to pray and to empathize with people and celebrate their success when the world would suggest we ought to stick it to them is real humility. But let me say a word to you about humility. If you ever begin to think that you're, that you're a humble person, you can be sure you aren't. So just act medium. You know what? That, that Paul is saying here, we, we need to be honest about the struggles with we have, perhaps even with the forgiveness issue. We need to be down to earth. We need to stay real. I sincerely believe what the onlooking world is looking for when they look at believers today, what they'd like to see is not perfection, but real people dealing with real life issues. Some years ago, stateside, a firm made headlines out of deflating overblown egos. 
it's, this company's well-trained employees would accept contracts to squash juicy pies in the faces of pompous individuals. In his first months, uh, over 60 hits were made at $35 per pie, all on disbelieving, astonished victims. An employee of the, of the pie-tossing company said, a pie in the face brings a man's dignity down to where it should be and puts the big guys on the same level with everyone else. Act medium, lest you get a well-deserved pie. Here's number five. There's six altogether. Here's five. Do them good. When someone wrongs you, find something good you can do for them. I take you back to the scriptures. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. Look for a specific good that you can do for them. It's been 39 years, May the 13th, 1981, Mama Ali Aka shot Pope John Paul II twice in the stomach, once in the right arm, and once in the left hand. May, uh, the Pope was traveling in an open car across St. Peter's Square in Rome when the young Turkish man shot him. Emergency surgery saved the Pope's life and he survived, but the story gets better. Two and a half years later, that would be December 27, 1983, John Paul went to Rabibia prison to visit Agha. That's good. He went not to judge. He went not to ask, why did you do such a thing? But in a bare white-walled cell, they talked softly for 21 minutes. And then the Pope tenderly held the hand that held the gun that was meant to kill him. That's even gooder. And then the Pope forgave him. Excuse my English, but that's goodest. So when people do you wrong, do them good. Forgive them. The scripture says, forgive them whether they ask or not. Maybe they'll never ask. The scripture says, forgive whether you feel like it or not. And you know what? It will be good for them, but it'll be oh so good for you. Lewis Smedes in his book, The Art of Forgiving, writes, forgiveness happens inside the person doing the forgiving. It heals our pain and resentment before it does anything for the person we forgive. They might never know about it. Do them good. Forgive them. And here's the sixth and last. Leave settling the score to God. Back to verse 19. Verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Dear friends, never Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Never mind the world's advice. Don't get mad, get even. That's destructive nonsense. People who insist on settling the score discover this. Vengeance is sweet to the taste, but it turns the stomach sour. The fact is, the fact is, have you learned this truth? The fact is, loved ones, we can't settle the score. We can't hand out justice. We're not smart enough, and we're not good enough. 
So do you have a list? Once in a while, it comes to your mind someone that has done something, said something, and you mull it over, and maybe you stew about the person on that list. Let me take you back to my old friend that I spoke about at the opening of this sermon who dropped in for the visit that day. He said to me in the course of the conversation about our mutual friend, or at least my friend, he said, I've kept correspondence that proves what he did, that he wronged me. I didn't know what to say, but it was almost as if at that moment God breathed to me, told me what to say to him, and I blurted out, burn it, burn it. And I don't know whether he ever did burn that correspondence or not, but he needed to. Have you been wronged? Have a list? Start by praying for them. Empathize with them. Celebrate their successes. Act medium. Do them good. And leave the settling, the score thing to God. Maybe you're thinking you can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. You must. You can't do it? Well, actually, you can't. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do everything. I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Can I ask you, wherever you are and watching this, would you close your eyes just for a minute? Can I ask you in this moment, is the Father bringing a face before your mind's eye of someone that has wronged you? And will you take Paul the Apostle's advice and deal with it? Father, I'm sure all of us perhaps at times have had a list. There's been someone. There's been a face that comes before our mind's eye. Father, I pray that those who are seeing right now someone in their life, someone in their world, you would help them, give them the strength. You said you would, and I know you will, to take these vital steps. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.